Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. 1049, welcome back in the zone. Let's get right to the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. Nancy Holtz was just on with us. Now Dave Warlock joins us. Try to get him on at least once a year. The March Madness Media Coordinator works with the NCAA, is a uh, media star as well, and uh, we appreciate him coming on. Dave, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Justin. Thanks for having me. Are you holding up okay? Yeah, not bad. I'm trying to. I'm home today, trying to pack and uh, leave for Houston in the morning to get ready for the Final Four. Well, I hope there's a whole lot of uh, folks in red and white and Razorback logos joining you there. Obviously, Arkansas has got a tough road here this weekend in Vegas to get there, but it would be pretty magical, and I'm sure for you, if you're being honest, that would be kind of cool for you too. Oh, without a doubt. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I'm sure I'll get a lot of ticket requests, so I'm prepared for that. Uh, yep. And, yeah, it'll, it will be a lot of fun if Arkansas can, can see its way through uh, tough West Regional this weekend. Well, let me go ahead and get my request in now then, Dave. I'll take whatever you got. You just made the list. All right. <laughs> way down there, but I'm on. Um, okay, so let me ask you about a few things regarding seeding, and we'll get to some of the stuff that was a little more head-scratching later. But when it gets down to ones and twos, and I thought this year, and it's proving to be the case as you see the way the tournament's played out, I thought the parody this year was phenomenal. We've been hoping for it, talking about it, rooting for it, whatever. I mean, Nick Saban talks about it in football, and it's kind of laughable. But with basketball this year, I think you guys got there. It was a really good group of teams, and you could have made a pretty good case for any one or two to be on that top line. So give me kind of a thought process and how it played out with uh, some of the teams getting in as ones and the others, I mean, say settling, but I mean, uh, ended up as twos. Yeah, I think I think it's safe to say Alabama, Houston, and Kansas were rock solid on the one line uh, as one seeds right from the beginning. When I say the beginning, we have a selection orientation meeting in mid-February and and we didn't see a whole lot of movement, you know, from that time until the actual selection weekend. It really came down to a few teams for that fourth number one, Purdue, which flipped a little bit at the end of the season, but then, you know, found itself again in the Big Ten tournament. Along with UCLA, Texas, and Arizona were all in discussion for that uh, possible one seed. You know, the other thing that made that difficult was all of those teams went into their conference tournaments and all performed admirably that week that all of them got to at least the final of the championship um, game of their conference tournament and uh, made, made it made it difficult but also you know made it a, a little stable as well and then as far as the last number two marquette got hot at the end of the season created some separation in the big east and then, you know doubled down and won the big east tournament so i think the committee felt really good about the the one and the two line you've got 12 teams or 12 programs that have never won a national title you've got 11 conferences represented there has been some discussion, not that anybody's losing their minds over it, I think because some people like it this way, but the lack of blue bloods in the Sweet 16. What do you think is better for the tournament, or does it matter? I don't think it matters. I think parity sometimes can be an overused word, but I think it's completely applicable this year. Uh, there there was a lot of parity during this year. And, you know, I, what I say, not a dig at football, but if you want to know who the Final Four teams is and follow college football more closely, you generally can pick those. You know, very early in the season yeah. and sometimes in the summer. And here, you know, it's sure, sometimes Duke and Kentucky and Carolina and Kansas can draw the ratings, but that's what makes the tournament great. You know, the NBA, you can lose 12 games or more, you know, and win a championship. Stanley Cup, same way. MLB, same way. College football, you can lose a few and be okay, uh, a couple anyway. 
Uh, but this tournament, it's, it's, that's the beauty of it. Anything can happen. Just, you know, just look at Princeton, look at uh, Fairleigh Dickinson, look at Thurman, you know, on and on and on every year. So it's, it's, it, that's what makes this event so special. I'm curious about you, and you may have a, a good memory about this. I know you have a lot of moving parts when it comes to this, but it is media-related. What draws the best from what you can remember? A David and Goliath type of matchup, like a Butler making it to the final, or is it more like you know two Blue Bloods going at it in the finals like we saw last year? Yeah, I think I think the, from a draw standpoint, the two Blue Bloods um, work just as well as a David and Goliath. You know, especially if the David and Goliath at something like 2010 when it was Butler, which at the time wasn't a Big East school. People forget about that. They were in the Horizon League. So a much smaller profile, playing in their hometown of Indianapolis and playing Duke. You know, it was just had all the making. Duke being, you know, arguably the most polarizing program in the sport. And so that that obviously drew well, and it was a great game. And then last year we did Kansas and Carolina, and that drew well, and it was a great game. So I think, you know, the way I the way I would equate it is, you know, if, if it's a Sunday night baseball game in May. ESPN wants to have the Yankees and Red Sox, and people roll their eyes and like, oh, no, not the hmm. Yankees and Red Sox again. But that's the draw. Sure. But in October, it can be anything. I mean, and it could be Tampa Bay and San Francisco or, you know, what have you. So people people will watch when it comes time for the championship. Uh, NCAA's Dave Warlock joining us on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. You mentioned Houston being one of the no-brainers, and I don't think anybody would argue to the contrary. You guys must have been at the NCAA very confident in Houston's chances of getting to the Sweet 16 because you stuck them in Birmingham in the second round, potentially taking on Auburn, which is exactly what came to pass. Didn't seem to bother the Cougars too much, and they played really well. But we were all scratching our heads a little bit, and we're like, how does Auburn as a nine seed get put in Birmingham? Yeah, it's it's a complicated process, and I'll try not to get – you know, too much in the weeds with it, but it's important to note that the committee only protects against a possible home court disadvantage in the first four and and in the first round for the top four seeds only. And so let's say Arkansas was a four seed and Colorado State won the Mountain West tournament. We wouldn't have had Colorado State playing in Denver against Arkansas in a 4-13 game. We would protect those four seeds, but that's only the first round. And so when the committee is seeding you know, for first and second round sites, and they, they start with those top four teams, they, they choose their closest geographic site. And so Alabama went to Birmingham. Houston also went to Birmingham. Kansas goes to Des Moines, and Purdue goes to Columbus. And when you assign those teams in those respective regions, you're automatically assigning the eight, the nine, and the 16 seeds in those regions to set up first and second round uh, matchups. And so then when you get to the eight line, there were a lot of conflicts with teams on the eight and nine line compared to those one seeds. You know, for example, Memphis can't go to the same region as Houston because they're in the same league. Arkansas can't go to Alabama's region. Ellen couldn't go to Purdue's region. Iowa couldn't go to Purdue's region. West Virginia mm. couldn't, couldn't go to Kansas. And then you know, Illinois couldn't go to Purdue. Auburn obviously couldn't go to Alabama's. And then also there's regular season rematches that come into play and so Memphis and Auburn played in the regular season so that couldn't be an 8-9 matchup in the first round so you have all those restrictions and the committee did uh, what it could to keep the priority being everyone stay on their true seed line and so the committee felt that those teams were eight seeds and they stay on the eight line and and it worked out for Auburn uh, where, where the committee didn't have to compromise any principles and you know not a good break for Iowa, obviously, in, right. the, in the 
in the first round, but man, that's just how the chips fell. Well, two things. You got in the weeds anyway, but it was still entertaining and interesting, so thank you for that. And then uh, Fran McCaffrey was going to complain about something anyway, so it doesn't really matter what you do for him. Uh, last thing here, I got two questions, and we got less than two minutes. So real quick on this answer, if you could, and then I'm going to ask you the last question. Texas A&M is a seven seed, uh, and not only do they – we felt like they got a little underseeded as the second-best team in a league with eight teams in the tournament, but also the fact that they're taking on a red-hot Penn State team and ultimately lost to them, and that's their bad. But um, was there a discussion about maybe putting them a little bit higher? Yeah, A&M was definitely – you know, ascending up the seed line had they beaten Alabama in the SEC championship game, they were going to make, you know, a pretty healthy jump from the top of the seven line uh, where they ended up at 25 overall on the seed list. Um, you know, in the end, you know, they lost that game and then it's being put uh, on the seven line. And I think what it came down to was, you know, they, they obviously did well in the SEC tournament, but they, I mean, the SEC regular season and tournament, but they had to really because it's such a poor non-conference, sure. not only schedule but performance in, in that That's schedule. True. You know, their best games were against Memphis, Boise, Colorado. They lost all of those games. Um, they also lost non-conference games to Murray State and Wofford in the fourth right. quadrant. And so, I mean, I think that two fifty or so strength of schedule in the non-conference hurt their seed a little bit. Well, Coach Broyles used to say they remember November. Apparently that applies to the NCAA tournament as well. Last thing, i got 10 seconds here. Houston could potentially play the national championship game in its hometown. Has that happened before? Uh, Butler in 2010, after mentioned. Yeah, that, that was that was the one I can remember. Michigan State also in 2009 played in Detroit. It's close. But I'm talking so about long. Houston in Houston. And Indy School yeah. in Indy. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Good reminder. Yeah. Thank you. Very rare. We'll see. Dave, great stuff tickets. Talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you.